0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And uh, hey, to all of you uh, catching the podcast on TalkZone.com. Those of you, of course, who take the show with you on your mobile device with the Conspiracy Show app. Uh, those of you watching the live stream on uh, YouTube and uh, participating in the YouTube live chat. Incidentally, please visit the, uh, the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, and hit that subscribe button. We've, we've set a modest goal of 10,000 subs by the end of 2017, and we're closing in, I believe, on uh, 6,000. So we're getting there. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, let me um, remind you, coming up next week on the program, we're going to talk uh, Ty Cobb. Uh, Ty Cobb, as it turns out, was not the monster he's been betrayed uh, as uh, throughout history. Really, since his death in 1961, uh, talk about uh, a modern example of fake news. Well, that's it. And um, the former publisher, so, sorry, the former editor of Sports Illustrated and People and Us Weekly uh, will be here to talk about uh, Ty Cobb. And, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley will also join us, uh, we'll do the entire second hour of the show on werewolves. Alright, uh, let me just remind you, Nathaniel is here, Ian is off sick tonight, uh, the mysterious Albert Vinzel is here, Ryan is here, and, uh, let's get to, uh, shaman, psychic, UFO experiencer, time traveler, Maria Dondria. Maria is an internationally known professional psychic from Budapest, Hungary. Since early childhood, she's demonstrated high spiritual awareness and psychic ability. Over her lifetime and as a spiritual leader, she's provided psychic guidance and enlightenment to many people, assisting them on their own personal path of spiritual self-discovery. She's known for a unique form of divination called rune-casting. This method was used by Vikings and Europeans to unlock information about the past, present, and future by tapping into the universal mind. She's the author of 100% Positive Spells and Incantations for Aladdin's Magic Lamp, Angel Spells, the Enochian Occult Workbook of Charms, Seals, Talismans, and Ciphers, Miracle Candle Spells with Candle-Burning Prayers for a Good and Prosperous Life. Maria, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
1: Oh, wonderful. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I love your show. Ah,
0: my <laughs> pleasure. Thank you. I want to ask you, uh, first of all, because I mentioned uh, earlier in the program that I married into the Greek culture. My wife is second-generation Greek, my, uh, and, of course, her family. Um, mm-hmm. They're all well-versed in the idea of an evil eye, and this seems to be kind of a, a, something that is prominent in Mediterranean cultures. Um, now, do you... Do you have a surefired way of, of, of warding off uh, an evil eye, or do you have to, do you have to be sort of do you have to fall under that curse first and then you remedy it?
1: No, actually, there are always ways to avoid to prevent, you know we're always trying to fix things ahead of time.
2: <laughs> That's the best of way.
1: Lack of patience, by the way. But there are some methods that people can use. Uh, one of them, of course, is psychic self-defense, which is a technique that you learn. However, if you carry, there's a stone called the tiger eye. It's a brown stone with little veins in it, gold veins. And if you carry that, it's actually considered a boomerang. So not only does it protect you, if somebody is sending negative energy to you, it sends it back to them. Now, we never do anything negative. I truly believe whatever you put out comes back. So even if you look at any of my books, there's nothing ever negative in them because I really live by that. However... For them not to get anything negative back, all they have to do is stop sending it to you. <laughs> right, right. And as long as you carry a gemstone within three feet of your body, okay, it will always work for you. So you can wear it as jewelry. You can throw it in your pocket, in your wallet, as long as it's not farther than three feet away. It's like a magnet. So it really does work for you. But that's one of the easiest ways to prevent it.
0: Right. Now, in, in the Greek culture, there's kind of it's a blue. It's a blue stone or a blue eye. I forget what they call it. My wife is going to murder me when I get home. I should know this. But, uh, so the idea is is this is to ward it off. But my understanding is that the evil eye, sometimes the person who is sort of cursing you with the evil eye, they're not aware of it. They may actually be complimenting you. And this is why in the Greek culture, when someone gives you a, comp- a compliment, they, you sort of spit three times. You go, tu, tu, tu. Uh, are you familiar with that? Yes. So is that true that that, that the person who is giving you the evil eye may not even, they may not have ill intent themselves? They may not be aware of that?
1: Well, a lot of times we tend to look at it because, you know, I'm from Hungary. And in Europe we tend to look at it more on the level that uh, they may not wish you well on a subconscious level. You know, you have people that are jealous. That doesn't mean they're consciously focused on sending you negative. But it's a little bit like fallout, for lack of a better term. Right. So even if they're telling you something positive, and, you know, on some level, they sort of mean it. But if you have that undercurrent where they're really jealous, they wish that they were doing better than you. You know, on a positive level, as an example, say I have a friend that won a million dollars, which would be wonderful. <laughs> right? Sure. You know, I would look at it as, I think that's great and I'm really happy for them. I might wish that I would also have them, but not instead of them. So if somebody's focused more on, they'd rather have something instead of the other person. Inadvertently, they're sending negative energy.
0: Sure, that's true. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the uh, the green eye of envy. <laughs> that's a different yes, that's a know. different evil <laughs> eye. That's a green eye. Maria Dondra is with us, uh, and she's um, the author of a number of books, including 100% Positive Spells from Incantations for Aladdin's magic lamp. I want to talk to you about an experience you had. I'm not sure when this happened in your life's journey, but you ha- you are a, a UFO experiencer, and you have... Uh, were you were you taken aboard crafts, or was this more of a, a kind of a, a, a dream state encounter or a telepathic encounter, physically aboard a, a, a craft?
1: No, it's more... I work more on the astral plane and telepathically. All right. So I... Uh, you know, I deal with a lot of different realms because, well, first of all, I've been doing this all my life, and even though I do psychic readings and lectures and all that, you know, I speak on the spiritual, psychic, and the paranormal, so basically I'm an occultist. And, you know, people always misunderstand that word. Occultist means ancient wisdom, hidden knowledge. It isn't positive or negative. It just means we understand the laws of nature to work with them. We're positive or negative. I tend to look at it as... Uh, if you're having rain and there's a farm that has a drought, then it's positive. And if, say, I have a neighbor and they're building the ark, not so much. The <laughs> rain is still neutral. <laughs>
2: right, right.
1: So I tend to work more on interdimensionally on the astral plane, which means it's more of an out-of-body experience. And then we connect to different realms, but we consciously go out of body, you know, well, some of us.
0: <laughs> All right. So these your uh, alien encounters, uh, tell me about yeah. that. What did they What did they look like?
1: Well, I find this one experience that I had, and sometimes it's a little difficult to explain because I've had a couple, but one of the experience I had was uh, I was out of body, and the first time that actually happened to me, where I encountered anything, uh, I really didn't know what they were. So I felt like I was in a room where you can, you don't really feel the walls or a floor or a ceiling, but you know that you're in a definite space. And at a distance in front of me, I saw a row of beings walking and for lack of a better term, and they looked like monks. You know, when you think of the monks with the hoods and the cloaks, they actually looked like that. Right, right. And I was very curious and I wanted to get closer. And I find, by the way, that whatever distance anything is from you on the spiritual realm, it's not really going to change unless they want want you to have uh, a different experience. So when I was getting closer, you feel, it's more telepathic, but you feel kind of a warning not to get closer. Of course, being who I am, (laughs) I wanted to get closer. Some people would have gone, no, stop. (laughs) But I wanted to get closer. And uh, the experience I had was that all of a sudden, I didn't know who I was because I got closer. I should have heeded the warning, but no. <laughs> and I really didn't know who I was, what I was. And it occurred to me, well, okay, if I look down at my body, I'll have a better idea at least of my gender or who I am. And I looked down and there was like nothing there. I had no idea at all who I was. And it just snapped me right back out of it. So it brought me out of the astral plane. Hmm. So, you really so they
0: didn't mean you. They didn't mean you harm. They were. They were cautioning no, you. No,
1: they would. No, they were, just didn't want me closer. It didn't hurt me, but um, since it was my first experience, it took me a while to go back out there because part of me was going, hmm. Well, let me think about this. <laughs>
0: right, right. And you had another experience with w- w- what you believe were extraterrestrials or interdimensionals, and these were you described them as being. Somewhat taller than the average human, but they, they had kind of a leathery skin.
1: Yeah, and they were really, for lack of a better term, they looked like they were made of white light. Okay. So you could see through them a little bit, but they were very brilliant. So they were made out of white light, and what I kept feeling, and it was more telepathic, what I kept feeling was they really want to help humanity, to awaken and the word I was getting frequently was awaken because they're trying to help us elevate ourselves. Now really sometimes when you see um, different dimensional beings, sometimes they're negative, sometimes they're positive. But these were beings where they really genuinely wanted to help. But they were extremely, extremely tall. I don't know how else to describe that. And It just had such a strong feeling of love and warmth and caring. There really isn't a way to explain that. It's a little bit like, you know, when you kind of go into a warm bathtub, you know, and the water's warm and comfy and, you know, it's that kind of feeling except it felt like love. I I don't know how else to actually explain that.
2: Right, Uh, right.
1: it's, It's funny. Sometimes we see colors and things that when we come back, it's not that we don't want to explain it to people we just don't have words for them <laughs> you know no,
0: i I, I totally understand that absolutely uh, you
1: know
0: so uh, why after those experiences were you left with the impression that these were aliens or extraterrestrials couldn't they have been from the angelic realm couldn't they have been angels
1: well actually no <laughs> Now I've dealt with angelic beings, by the way, and it has a different vibrational feel. But part of it is when you're looking at them, they actually look like different beings. They're not built like us or made the same way. But you know, universally, everything is energy. So depending on their form, everything is still energy, just like us in the universe. But it was a very definite feeling that they were beings as opposed to light beings, say, on the angelic level. Um, when you're dealing with somebody on the angelic level, it's so overpowering, and you know immediately that that's what they are, and really, they're just very ancient beings, you know on the angelic level,
2: right so it's
1: a different feel sometimes they just aren't words to really explain it it's more uh, as an example if you're doing a psychic reading sometimes you just know there's no other way to explain it and I truly believe that everybody has uh, intuition on some level
0: we'll get to that Maria we'll take a time out we'll come back and continue our conversation with internationally known professional psychic and the author of 100% positive spells and incantations for Aladdin's magic lamp Maria D'Andrea is with us right here on the Conspiracy Show my name is Richard Serrett don't go away This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Maria Dandria is here. She's a a shaman, a psychic, a UFO experiencer, and uh, the author of a number of books including 100% Positive Spells and Incantations for Aladdin's Magic Lamp. My producer Albert had a great question. I don't want to get political here at all, but um, you know there have been there's been talk ever since President Trump was elected that there are these uh, there are witches that have been casting um, uh, spells, you know, to try and disrupt his his agenda and so forth. And again, I don't want to get political, but um, some people have gone so far as to suggest that these uh, these spells that are being cast. Um, just, I guess, collateral damage-wise, they may be responsible for some of the strange weather we've been having, and earthquakes. Do you put any credence in that?
1: Actually, no.
0: (laughs) That answers that. All right, that was neat and tidy.
1: I I mean, I do realize that, you know, there are, of course, people working on the negative side, just like we're working on the positive. So there there are different... um, Cults—for uh, lack of a better way to say that—different groups that are working towards a negative end. However, you have pretty much just about the same balance on the positive side. So, uh, between the two, it, it kind of neutralizes each other up to a point.
0: Ah, all right.
1: You know, but you do have both working on that. It depends on their approach. Right. I post, and this is just my personal opinion, but I always feel that.
0: Light outshines the dark, literally. <laughs> oh, 100%. I agree with that. Uh, the good guys always win in the end. It may take, you know, it may take a long, long time. Right. Sometimes exactly. the wheels of the, of the, uh, of cosmic justice turn slow. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the good guys always win. Uh, I want to talk to you, I want to ask you about rune casting, um, because this, I've not heard of, uh, this form of divination before. I mean, I'm familiar with runes from, Uh, you know, from the Vikings and so forth. Uh, But I wasn't aware that the Vikings used runes. I thought it was just their written language. I didn't realize they used them to try and divine the future and the the past and so forth. Tell me about rune casting.
1: Well, first of all, it's dominant more in Europe, you know, uh, Germany, Romania, in Greece, you know, Hungary, Scandinavian countries, and I'm a shaman through Hungary, but I'm also connected to some of the tribes um, in New York and the Tuscarora tribe. And some of the caves in America actually have runes. Most people just aren't aware of them.
0: That's right, because and the Vikings were here. They landed in, in uh, Newfoundland, Labrador, you know, right. 500 years, at least 500 years before Columbus. Oh
1: yeah. So uh, they really are runes. Or they're universal. And originally, it was meant as... Uh, an occult form, which means they were using that for spells, to manifest, to get rid of negative things, for protection. That's where it originated. Mm-hmm. After that, they started using that uh, for psychic information, for divination, to find out, as an example, for, with tribes. Uh, should they go to war? Should they not go to war? What direction should they go in? You know, something um, should say to you, do not walk towards the swamp.
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> or the quicksand. So they started leaving messages on trees, on stones, and eventually it turned into a language. It's actually the base of the Germanic alphabet.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah.
1: But we use it more for divination.
0: Some right. Of us. And how do, you, how do you use it? How does it work?
1: Well, it's actually a trigger. So we do have specific layouts that we use many times and that connects it to the elements, earth, air, fire, and water. So it's a little bit more complicated than people think, but it's really a trigger. All psychic forms, all tools, are really meant just as a trigger to the divine, to your source, whatever your source happens to be. It's like, uh, even though I'm a shaman, I'm an interfaith minister, so I'm Christian-based. However, we look at it as there's one source. We don't really care what path you take to get there or what you call the source. It's the same thing.
2: Right, right.
1: So... Uh, this just tunes you in more to direct information. So It's a little bit like having a direct link. And I like to teach people, that's why I write the book, I like to teach people how to do things for themselves because I really feel the more you can do for yourself, the better the world gets. It's that domino effect. If you can do things for yourself, you can help others, they can help other people, and it gets passed on a little bit more along that line. But uh, I really feel that I only teach positive because, as we were saying before, you know, it really does come back, and that's really a strongest force: is positive and love energy.
0: Excellent. I, I want to do. I want to come back to to positive spells a little bit later, but I do want to ask you about astral travel and out of body yeah. experiences. Um, you know, mm-hmm. some some people it happens during a, a near death experience. They're suddenly out of their body. They're hovering above and looking down on their body, maybe as it's being resuscitated. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they come back into their body. Uh, but it's not, it's not a conscious thing. Uh, in fact, you know, it's, it can be, I'm sure it's incredibly, uh, frightening when it happens for the first time. But, but <clears throat> the ability to do it at will, um, I mean, I would think it would take yogis, for example, you know, decades and decades and decades to learn something about that. Is that something you can teach people to astral travel?
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Is that the same of, as an out of body experience?
1: Oh yeah, you can teach that. Uh, a lot of it comes down to if you know the right technique, okay? there are so many things that people can do that they're really not aware of because it sounds complicated. And a lot of it isn't. Now, honestly, for me to teach people how to go out of body, which is easier than they think, because like I said, it's a technique. However, what I normally don't explain is it took me 15 years of goof-ups to find a technique I can teach in two hours or a day. <laughs>
0: Fifteen years of goof-ups. When you're talking about out-of-body experiences, I mean, yeah, isn't that kind you of... You
1: know, to control it. Yes. So so... Now, I can control it for myself, but to teach it, you never teach anything that you can't control 100%. Sure. Because if somebody gets in trouble when they're doing it, you want, you need to be able to do that to help them. And if they have a question about something they run across, You know, you have to be able to know what they ran across and how to explain it and tell them how to, you know, um, deal with it. That's why I find anything I teach, and I suggest it in my books and, you know, classes, I always tell people before they do anything psychic, uh, paranormal, you know, occult, I always suggest they use some form of psychic self-defense. It doesn't have to be my form, but it has to be some form because when you're dealing with anything in a different realm, it can be very dangerous, so it can be positive, but it's a little bit as though you're looking at electricity. Right. Okay? So you don't see electricity, but you don't put your hand in the socket.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, can you give? Can you can it walk us through some of the techniques that you use uh, to to obtain uh, out of body or astral travel?
1: Well, I can't really go through the techniques honestly because if I'm not dealing directly with somebody, they can get hurt.
0: Ah, okay. You know, what, what is the well, overall principle, though, that, that, that you, you use to, to achieve an out-of-body experience? Can you talk generally about
1: it? Sure. Uh, well, First of all, I believe that everybody does that in their dream state. So I feel that it is natural to us as human beings. The only difference is some of us control it, and as you said, some of us don't because they go through different experiences that triggers that.
0: A trauma, like a trauma.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, however, I feel that, and a lot of that is just to give you direction or as an example, if you're in a lot of pain, sometimes you might disconnect from your physical body and go out of body because you can't deal with the pain and it gives you an escape Sure. until you can handle it better. Makes sense. So some of it I think is really a survival instinct. So I really believe we all have it. And a lot of it is just training your um, spirit body, your astral body, to listen to you and to control what direction and where you want to go and how you want to go. it go And some of it that people don't realize is actually uh, time travel because when you're out of body, you're not limited to time and space because as human beings, we create time and space because if we have to go to an appointment, if we have to meet a friend down the block at 3 o'clock, we need to have a time to be able to do that. So on the astral, you don't have those limitations. So you can go back and forth in time. You're not going to affect time, but you can see things. That's,
0: through, what, th- that's what we time. call remote viewing, right? That's sus- suspending time and space. That's remote viewing.
1: Yeah, that's remote viewing also.
0: When you leave your body, uh, when you have a, an out-of-body experience, and your spirit, your astral body or your spirit body uh, is leaving your physical body. Uh, Is there a a silver cord that connects the the spirit body to the physical body, or is that just a uh, kind of a Hollywood depiction?
1: No, there really is a connection. We look at it as, some people call it a silver cord, some people just look at it as white light, because it grounds you to your physical body. Some people have a misconception, and they think that if they're going out of body, they can die because the cord can be cut or tangled on something and ripped. And there's really no such thing because everything's energy. So if it's energy, as an example, you're going out of body and you're going somewhere uh, where you have to go out of your house, which means you went through the wall, right? Right? There's absolutely nothing physical that can get in your way. Everything is energy, so you're an energy being. If you can go through a wall, logically you're not going to get tangled into anything.
0: Right. But so, uh, but is your is your astral body? literally flying through the air to another location or is this happening in the mind I mean you're still seeing things in remote locations or you're still you're still uh, let's say you're you're in your, your apartment in New York in with your mind you're traveling to Fort Lauderdale but is, or is your or is, is your astral travel literally flying from New York to Fort Lauderdale
1: okay well Personally, this is what I find is a difference. If I'm going out of body, if I'm going out of body, it's a different sensation. You actually know that you're not in your physical body. Part of it is, when we do it consciously, part of it is that we make sure we don't have any noise. We shut the phones off. We close the doors. Because anytime there's a noise like a phone ringing, it'll just snap you right back into your body. And when that happens quickly, you can be out of alignment, which means... For you to actually be 100 percent back exactly where you should be in your physical body might take another couple of minutes as an example which just means you might get dizzy uh things might be a little bit fuzzy you know you might get a little nauseous because you realign too quickly right so it's a totally different sensation and when you're out of body personally and everybody doesn't have the same experience personally i find if i think of somewhere i'm just there it's not a matter of traveling It's just one minute I'm here and the next minute I'm there. I actually wrote an article years ago on um, astral travel. And kidding around because some of us have a warped sense of humor, I sent in the article and I named it How to Travel Without Luggage. And I was sure they were going to call me up and say give it a real title and they printed it like (laughs) that. There
0: you go. Yes, I'm the same way. I only take carry-on. Are you you allowed carry-on when you astral travel? (laughs)
1: Yes. Now the funny part is if I'm doing something like remote viewing, okay, then first of all you would prepare differently, but part of it is automatic writing with me. You know, again, everybody isn't the same. But um, sometimes I'll just do automatic writing where I'm getting information about a place or a person or a situation. Okay. And with remote viewing I will see um, I will see something but I know I'm not there. I don't feel like I'm there. I know I'm in my physical body. Uh, it's more seeing it with clairvoyant sight, you know, right. with third eye vision, Right. not where you feel like there's any separation. But and m- technically, what people don't realize is it's not that our spirit is in our physical body, it's actually the reverse. Our physical body is inside our spiritual body, because when you think of your aura, your energy field, yes. you know, people are always noticing that it's outside of their body, usually a couple of inches out, sometimes a couple of feet, because... It varies according to your mood and your health and your analytical process, so it'll shift. And that's really you. So it's actually, um, a physical body is actually inside there.
0: Hmm. When you remote view or when you astral travel, are you able to uh, interact with your environment uh, or is it like looking at a painting or, or a photograph?
1: I personally haven't been able to affect anything on the physical plane. Now, I don't know about other people, honestly, and I've been doing this all my life, and I find that uh, I can see things. um, I can interact on the astral realm with anything or anyone on the astral realm, Okay, because then you can communicate and it's a different type of connection. But I find that I haven't been able to affect anything on the physical plane.
0: Ah, interesting. Please
1: personally,
0: because that was leading me into an area, and I don't know if this is something that you get into, but um, mm-hmm. and that has to do with bilocation. There were supposedly, uh, you know, uh, Buddhist monks that were able to uh, bilocate. There, there are accounts of, of saints in the Christian faith who were able mm-hmm. to be in, in, to bilocate, and I'm wondering whether that was astral travel or, or something else.
1: I uh, I personally look at it as it's astral travel, mm-hmm. but when you're on the astral plane, some people, not me, by the way, I would love to say I uh, can do it, but I'd be lying. <laughs> so some people, though, uh, are so focused, and they've been doing just that for so many years, that they can actually make the body um, more visual or more physical, because we do have ectoplasts, all of us. So... It's a form of hardening your ectoplasm. Interesting. So it looks like you're physically in a different place.
0: Right. And, and in those cases where, where people uh, will report a saint or one of these Buddhist monks by locating, they actually, there are witnesses who have seen them uh, and they've been in two different places at the same time.
1: Right.
0: Remarkable. Mm-hmm. Maria Dandria is uh, with us, internationally known professional psychic. Uh, she's also um, into astral travel. Uh, she does uh, rune casting as a form of divination. Uh, she's a shaman, an interfaith minister, and the author of a number of books, including 100% positive spells and incantations for Aladdin's magic lamp. Uh, we were talking about the evil eye earlier, but there are other types of, of uh, curses and so forth uh, that someone with ill intent um, uh, can um, can cast in our direction. Uh, is there a way of knowing whether or not I'll I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out to you now but we'll we'll come back I'll get you to answer it we're going into a break but I want to find out whether there's a way of knowing you are under some sort of spiritual attack I mean how do you decide whether a headache is just a change in the barometric pressure or whether you are being cursed we'll find out in a moment when Maria D'Andrea joins us on the other side literally and figuratively right here on The Conspiracy Show Loose Lips Sink Ships and sometimes, corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Maria Dandria stays with us. Internationally known professional psychic, shaman. And uh, we are talking about uh, a number of things, including astral travel, uh, curses. I want to come back to curses. And, uh, mm-hmm. how can you tell whether you are under some sort of spiritual attack? Uh, let's say, for example, um, you know, I have a headache. How do I know mm-hmm. that that's not just a change in the barometric pressure or an, or some sort of a sinus condition versus the fact that I'm being, you know, cursed or attacked spiritually?
1: Okay, well, actually, there's a couple of ways you can tell. One of the easiest ways is if somebody uses whatever their form is for psychic self-defense, if you're using self-defense, you would pick up as an example a negative feeling, such as the headache, but it would leave within 15 minutes the longest, okay, because basically you're under protection. So then you know it is not your headache. The other thing is that if you're under attack, you literally feel it first in the weakest part of your physical body. So as an example, say the weakest part of your body is your wrist. Okay, if you're under attack, that's the first thing, that's the first part rather of your body that's going to have a problem. You know, you'll feel like you have a pulled muscle. It'll hurt, but it won't have a logical reason. Uh, also, emotionally, as an example, say you feel like it's going great. There really isn't anything that's extreme that just happened, and all of a sudden you're depressed for no reason. Okay. That's usually an attack. If you had something happen, like, say, somebody went bankrupt, of course they're going to be upset. Right, <laughs> you know? right. But if right. It's out of your norm, then there's something wrong. Okay? Some people get migraine headaches normally. It would not be an
2: attack. Sure. If
1: you never get a headache and all of a sudden you get one without a reason, you know, like, uh, you know, you didn't have an extreme cold, as an example, that brought it on. You know, if, you, if it's just out of your norm, Then I would look into carrying something that's protection. All right, or do a protection prayer.
0: So uh, then again, if if you have a sudden headache and you want to determine whether it's a spiritual attack or whether it's just a normal headache, if you if you say the the spiritual protection prayer and it goes away, you know you are under attack. What is? Can you can you share with us some spiritual self defense?
1: Okay. Well, actually, there are a couple of different forms. So I teach a heavier level only because I teach more the paranormal and the psychic. So you need to be safer on the other realm. But what I find is the easiest form that really works that anybody can use. As an example, uh, if you do something very easy, like, um, Lord, protect me. Okay. If you're just very focused and you really mean it from your heart when you say it, it's going to work. Now, you need to say the name of your source. I happen to say God or Lord. You need to use your own terminology for whatever you normally use as your term, okay? So as an example, when I'm working with some of my friends that are Native American, they do Mother Earth, Father Sky. They're not going to use the word God, you know. Not that it doesn't equate to the same source, but you have to use the terminology that you connect to or it just won't resonate and work for you. And then when you're adding um, protect me, You're saying to your source, this is what I want done. However, even though we call it a prayer, technically technically it's not, because it's a command. You're not asking. If you're doing something in prayer where you're really doing a request, uh, the same as if you ask a friend to go to the store for you, they can either go yes or no. (laughs) Right,
2: Right, right.
1: If you're saying it as a fact, like two and two is four, okay, you're making a statement, it's a command, so you're...
0: Telling your source, this is what I want done. All right. So, it's so for example, I, I use the I use the the, the Jesus prayer, uh, and right. and I say it in Greek. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's the Jesus prayer. So is that an right. example of what you're talking about? No. No. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, no. No. That prayer is wonderful, and by the way, I like that that one also. Okay. But it's not for protection. Okay, so you have to be very specific, you know, when you call on your source that you need. You're calling on your source specifically to protect you in this situation or at this time.
0: All right, so, so you have just to have
1: that word in there for protection. All right, That's you have to have the word protection you can in there. Do so that prayer and add it in.
0: I see. So yes. Lord Jesus Christ, protect me, for example. Our Lord, right. protect me. Right. All right, that or is. Or you a,
1: can do the prayer you just did and then put that at the end.
0: Ah. I see. You okay. know,
1: added honest protection. Right, right. But it has to be in there somewhere.
0: Fair enough. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I've also heard. Now, this is um, this is a little different. This approach, but I've been told if you happen to know the identity of the person that is waging this spiritual warfare against you or or cursing you, that you mm-hmm. can you can take a photograph of that person. Uh, put it in a plastic bag and put it in the freezer, and that will bind them. Is there any truth to that?
1: Well, it neutralizes the person's energy, so they can't send anything towards you that's negative. It neutralizes the vibration, uh, but you have to be careful with that. Well, this is what happens: say uh, you feel like you're under attack. Okay, things are going wrong in your life, and there's no logical reason for it. Okay, uh, if you do that then what if it's the wrong person? Now, it's not going to hurt the person. The worst thing that will happen is if you're wrong, nothing will happen because you're neutralizing the energy. You're not sending anything negative. You're not doing anything negative. Okay, But it might be the wrong person. So that's why we want to use something as an example as a tiger's eye because that's a boomerang. It'll send back to whoever, and it could be more than one person. What I would suggest instead is if you're going to use that uh, the technique with the freezer, what I would suggest is put whoever is harming me or whoever is wishing me negative energy because then it will go back to whoever is causing it. or it, And sometimes it can be more than one person. You may not be aware of it. Then it just goes back to whoever is sending negative energy.
0: All right, Maria, hold on. We'll come back and uh, continue this conversation. Maria D'Andrea, we're talking positive spells and incantations. And perhaps we can get around to uh, angel spells and miracle candle spells in the time that remains. Stay with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Big Brother is listening, and so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Maria Dandria stays with us. Psychic, shaman, interfaith minister. And uh, I want to ask you about angel spells. Um, Now... Are we talking about guardian angels or are we talking about, you know, archangels? What are we talking about here? Who do you, who are you, who or what are you communicating with through angel spells?
1: Okay. Well, actually it's totally non-limited because there are so many types of angels or hierarchies. So as an example, if you were doing, uh, something with calling in, let's see, like archangel, uh, Metatron. Okay. That archangel connects to liberation. So you have to know what the purpose is of each angel that you're calling in. And the reason is that's really, angels really have specific jobs when you're talking about archangels. So as an example, if you're dealing with Metatron, which is uh, liberation, you know, as an example, um, also connecting to whirlwinds, what happens is that you're calling an angel in and you're saying, okay, I need uh, business or finance to pick up or, Uh, my love life to pick up, okay? Metatron's going to go, you want me to do what? Because there's no connection. It's not the right job. So they have specific purposes and specific jobs. Is
0: there a yellow pages then for angels so that you can tell?
1: (laughs) There should be.
0: Uh,
1: I have some listed, and I'm sure that if now we're we're Googling everybody. (laughs) I'm sure there's something on there with different names. Um, My book has... uh, You know, a number of names and what they do and how to call them in and what to do to work with them to create positive situations or to get rid of negative situations in your life in a positive way. I find that people are making a mistake nowadays that they're not aware of. So I like to warn people a little bit. What happens a lot of times is people are just calling in angels. You know how everybody went through a phase where everybody's focused on they're just calling in angels. You can't do that. What people don't realize is if you're calling in an angel and you're not calling an angel by name, or if you're not asking for a positive angel, okay, there are fallen angels. You really don't know what you're getting. Oh, that's
0: right. Yes, there are legions of them.
1: Right. So if you're calling in an angel and you get a fallen angel by mistake, things are going to start going wrong in your life. You're not going to connect it to the angel because you're thinking it's positive. You're going to call it in again and it's going to escalate. Eventually, you know, (laughs) hopefully that uh, you find some way to cancel that out. But you really can't call in angels in general. You really have to look at it as you're calling in a positive angel. And a lot of times, if you don't know a name, you can call it in a positive angel for the purpose of and then specify your purpose, you know, financial gain, business opportunities, uh, to connect better to your boss, to a relationship, to your family. But you have to give it a specific purpose then, because, again, they have different jobs.
0: Do do we angels... About,
1: uh, warding off evil, as an example. Okay? Uh, that's uh, Uniel. U-N-A-E-L. That's the angel. And that helps protect you. So if you're doing love magic, it would be the angel in the rod. So they're different ones for different reasons. And then, of course, there are formulas or spells that we we can do to uh, gain control and to bring them in. How did
0: you well, learn these? I'm... How did you learn the names of the different angels, Maria, and their job descriptions? How did this come to you?
1: Actually, uh, I do it through meditation. Now, I, I've been doing this all my life, so <laughs> eventually, you tend to learn a lot of different things in a lifetime. Sure. But I've always... And psychic. So uh, when I started going to grade school, I realized everybody didn't see spirits and people that passed away. So I just learned not to talk about it. Then I got to high school and I went, I don't care.
0: <laughs> right, right. So do do, do these angels um, make their make themselves known to you? Can you see them?
1: Uh, well, sometimes I've seen them. Sometimes I just feel a presence in the room. And the only way I can explain it is that you just know. And I really feel that everybody's psychic on some level because it's a survival instinct. And we've all had that experience where, as an example, and I'm sure you've had this, where you meet somebody for the first time in the first couple of seconds, you either like them or you don't. And there's not a logical reason for it. Okay. Right. When you get that feeling, it's 100% accurate every single time. We just need to pay attention to it and trust it. What happens a lot of times is people go, oh, they didn't give me a reason to feel off about them, so I'm going to be uh, I'm going be trying harder to be positive towards them. They didn't do anything. And then a year or so later, they get ripped off <laughs> or lied to. Or, you know, it's a warning system. Or if somebody's very cranky and negative and you get a good feeling about the person, you're seeing past their defenses, you're seeing heart-to-heart. So what we're doing is, Picking up truth at that point, it just takes a while to get used to really trusting it. And the best way I can think of to trust it is to recognize that that information is not coming from you; it's coming from a divine source.
0: Ah, yeah. so there. When we say you know, listen to that, listen to your inner voice. It's not your inner voice; it's an angel looking out for you.
1: Yeah, or it's your source. There's there's a lot of different um, sources of information. Sometimes it can be a spirit guide. Sometimes it can be uh, a guide that's never been in physical body. It can be a relative that passed away. People don't think about it like this, uh, except, well, in Greece and in Europe. They, where they talk about ancestors. When we connect to ancestors, uh, that includes our parents if they passed. They always think of ancestors as way, way, way back. No, it's anybody in your lineage that already passed. So sometimes
0: it's somebody that passed away that's helping you. Well, I, people, I, I, I used to um, say this only half-jokingly, but sometimes when I pull mm-hmm. into a parking lot, I'll ask, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a busy parking lot, I, uh, mm-hmm. I ask my, my late father who, who died over 30 years ago, I say, Dad, help me find a parking spot. And actually, you know, 8 out of 10 times, I'd say, 80% of the time, even in a busy parking lot, I get the sense, do I turn right, do I turn left, I'll find that empty spot.
1: Because you're really getting help. What people don't realize is we can ask for help a lot more than people realize. They think that we have to ask about something extreme. And no, I I do that for parking spots.
0: (laughs) Do you? Which angel is responsible for parking spots?
1: You know what I do? I just go, I want a parking angel now. (laughs) A (laughs) parking angel? (laughs)
0: <laughs> A parking angel. It doesn't
1: matter what you call it. You that know, would be
0: sort of the lower order of angels, I would say, that's responsible for the parking spots, right? Sure.
1: Because,
0: <laughs> you, you got to start somewhere.
1: Because when you're looking at uh, archangels, you know, archangels, their jobs are really for the community, for the country, for the world. You know, where when you're just calling in other angels, they're more personal. Now, when you're calling in an archangel, they'll still come. But that's not technically their job. So this was funny. I, I was uh, writing that book on the angel spells, and uh, one of the gentlemen, Bishop Alan Green, um, Greenfield, actually wrote a little something in there, okay? And he was on a radio show. Actually, it's documented. He was on a radio show in 2015. And like I said, he also contributed to the book. And I put in an invocation to the Archangel Metatron who connects to, like I said, liberation and the whirlwind. <laughs> and on the air, on the show called Ground Zero. Yes. Uh, I think it was Clyde Lewis. Yes. Okay, he read my spell and he called it in. And the next day, the roof of the radio station blew off.
0: <laughs> oh my word.
1: That... Now, nobody was hurt, but I personally think the angel had a good laugh. <laughs>
0: Those were the whirlwinds, all right. Uh,
1: yeah, so you have to kind of watch how you're calling, it, calling anything in. <laughs> uh,
0: I want to ask you about candle spells. How does that work?
1: Okay, well that's vibrational. So when you're working with candles, it deals with a lot of different elements. It deals with the element of fire. So, as an example, uh, with nature spirits and elementals, it connects to uh, the salamander, which is the king of the fire element. Okay. So you're calling in literally on more than one level, whether you're doing it consciously or not. So you're dealing with the energy of fire. So you're also dealing with colors because each color has a different vibrational effect and a different magnetic field.
0: When you say a different color, you mean a different color candle?
1: Different color candle. Okay. So as an example, if you're using um, a yellow candle, yellow is for joy, happiness, intellect. So if you're going to study something or teach that's a good color to burn because it's going to change the vibration to heighten that for you, that ability. If you're looking for, as an example, uh, something on a mundane level and you're looking for property, real estate, uh, you're dealing with the courts, you would use a brown candle. Now, some of the candle colors are a little difficult to find. What people just don't think about is that you can just paint a white candle? It's still the same vibration. And
0: do you have to burn it, it down completely. You have the color. Do you have to burn it down completely for the spell to work?
1: It depends on what spell you're using, but usually yes. And any time you throw out a candle when you're done, you always throw it away outside of the building or your home. And the reason is, if you throwing it away inside your home, you're just canceling the spell.
2: Oh, that's so
1: interesting. If you're it's like if you're in an apartment building and you throw it into, say, a garbage can in the hallway, it's still not in your apartment. It's not in your home.
0: Right, okay. right. So
1: you're putting it out to the universe to work.
0: Interesting. I guess we should be careful about the color candles on our birthday cake, really.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm not I'm not kidding. I mean... You, you no, know, I
1: know. I, I think of that sometimes with... with uh, well, I have two adult sons who are in... Uh, Very analytical businesses, but they both read. (laughs) All right. And, you know, and it's funny because one of my sons was saying, uh, you know, I put different colors in their rooms depending on what they were going through and for different purposes. And he was an adult and he said, you know, I just realized what colors you were putting in my room and why. (laughs) There you go. You know, you're trying to help. And if
0: if you were looking uh to increase um, you know, good fortune, uh what what kind of what color candle would you burn?
1: Either orange or green.
0: Orange or green. Orange is my favorite color. So then you Me, burn an orange I
1: love yellows.
0: And you burn an orange candle and then what do you do?
1: Okay. Well, basically any time you're doing uh spell work with candles, sometimes it gets a little bit more complicated, but the easiest way anybody can do it is On a piece of paper, you need white paper black ink. The reason white paper is because it keeps it positive and it's connected to the light. And black ink because black is power. It isn't negativity. It's just willpower and power. So you write down exactly what you want in a positive way. I always tell people at the beginning of whatever you're going to write, I always put this or better. Because what if there's something better coming in and you didn't think of it? I always put divine power or whatever the name of your source is because that keeps it positive and you all I always put in a perfect way and the reason is you want it coming in where it's positive for you but it's not harming anybody accidentally
0: all right so this so this or exactly better this or better with a divine mm-hmm. power and what was the last thing
1: in a perfect way
0: in a perfect way and then do you burn that in the candle
1: okay. no what you do is you put it underneath the candle and you light the candle. When the candle goes out, you will still have the paper there usually because the candle doesn't go all the way out. Right. It's always something left, and then you take that and you throw it away outside your home. There you go. You can either bury it, you can either bury it or just throw it away. All because right. It's still interesting.
0: Maria, thank you so much for hanging out with the last uh, for the last hour with us. I really enjoyed our conversation. <laughs>
1: And thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun, and you were a wonderful host. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you, Maria. All the best. 100% positive spells and incantations for Aladdin's magic lamp. That's Maria Dandria. All right, my thanks to Nathaniel, Elbert, Ryan, back next week with a brand-new program. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak in the light. What I say in a whisper... Proclaim from the housetops Move over Aphrodite I'm coming home